0: Today we're gonna to talk about even more heroes, and I honestly think the best are yet to come. Stick with us as we continue the Blood and Betrayal Camping Diaries. Meaning the Heroes Part 2. Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm Matt. And this is Roleplay Chat. A channel and podcast where we're gonna explore the various different aspects of the role-playing hobby. And try to become better game masters in the process.
1: Like we said in the intro, today we meet
0: more of our heroes, starting with Randall, the yeah, forest dweller. We talked a little bit about Randall last time. Uh, Randall is like the rest of the, the heroes is a young young boy who lives in Wintergard. He's kind of got a a passion for for nature, for the outdoors, a little bit of a, a naturalist in that in that sense, kind of analogous to or analogous to the <laughs> to the ranger kind of archetype that yes. you would see in, in Dungeons and Dragons uh what else is what else is Randall I think Randall is uh, really I think
1: something that represents him well is he's a bit more immature than the other ones I, I mm-hmm. he's the youngest uh, a couple of years I think and uh it it, it shows uh he's a bit I won't say gullible, but um, he believes in telling the truth is always the right thing to do. At least at the mm-hmm. beginning. Again, another character that's gonna evolve drastically. Um, he can get the his emotion get the better of himself. He's really about helping. He's kind-hearted. He likes the little animals. He's um, so it's a typical ranger, but at the beginning of his career, and that still sees the the best of everybody the, the the better part of anybody he meets mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. really hopeful about the future
0: in terms of his relationship with Wintergard, uh randald obviously grew up in Wintergard. Mm-hmm. his father who has a love-hate relationship with randald some might even consider it to be an abusive relationship um emotionally abusive ab- emotionally abusive yes yeah. um is kind of the, the village ranger, I yeah. guess, and is often gone, spends little time with his son, and for this reason, Randall finds himself often in the orphanage, because his mother, I believe, has passed away, never really explored that too much, who knows, <laughs> and, <laughs> and his father is always gone, mm-hmm. so in anything but name, Randall is an orphan, and for this reason, he spends a lot of time with Otis, yes. our on paper, actual orphan. Yeah. Uh, And they develop a relationship there. So by proxy, Otis and Randall both develop a strong relationship with Granny Mosher, who's kind of like the wise woman of the village. She spends a lot of time in the orphanage and she's kind of uses like herbal medicines and these kinds of things. And also teaches Randall a lot of what he knows in his naturalist uh, way of life.
1: Yeah, and Randall, who's... Really kind-hearted, like I said. His father is really rough on him and doesn't like that part of his son. So he tries to, like, take it out of him, basically. Mm-hmm. And he, this side of him that's really core to his personality is embraced by Granny Mosher by showing him how to heal, how to help others instead of how to kill animals, which he he hates to do because he loves the little animals in the forest. So he understands that like, we need to eat, um, but he doesn't like it. Um, so that's why Granny Mosher is the f- one of the only person who kind of nourishes this aspect of him that,
0: yeah. That, yeah, that he enjoys, that he thinks is important. Yeah. Um, and I guess that is also showcased by his pet. He has a, a pet eagle or hawk called Hackerel, who rests on his shoulder, can do minor errands and tasks for him, helps him hunt these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, he uh, got this animal by saving uh, Hackerall um, from a trap. Uh, I don't remember the exact details. I think the player came up with it, uh, but basically he saved the animal and then they were kind of bounded uh, together.
0: Um, and, and they have a very strong relationship. Yes,
1: they do. And it it's, uh, it's one of friendship and not of master and
0: I guess... Master. Master. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of Randall's, I guess, contributions and, and comings and goings in Untergard, he doesn't do much more than what I think we, we already talked about. You know, he, he engages with Granny Mosher, learns uh, medicinal uh, training from Granny Mosher, um, sometimes going out and, and hunting for the village.
1: Yes, normally he would be hunting with his dad the village, but right now because it was after the battle, Granny Mosher needed help in the infirmary to deal with all the wounded. Um, so he stayed behind and um, while his father's gone and helped with that, and he much prefers it. He likes the nature, but he doesn't like the idea of just going there to kill animals, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's where he met Ungrim actually. Ungrim uh, was, uh, we'll talk more in details about him, but he was wounded during the battle and he's in the infirmary being treated by Granny Mosher and Randall so they've met for probably a week maybe two so I think his relationship is pretty good Umgrim uh, likes uh, how attentive he is to his needs and but he's still a human uh, Umgrim is a dwarf like well, so there was kind of this uh difference there that was really mar- remarkable, especially at the beginning. S- something I should say about uh, Randall is like, yeah, he's from the city the, of Untergaard in the sense that he hasn't been there for just weeks, but it's important to know that he hasn't—he wasn't raised as a, like, as a baby there. He actually comes from the West uh, where his father and him came uh, when he was, I don't remember the exact age, but I think he, right now he's 15. So probably when he was 10, around that age. So mm. after this age, the, the, he met Otis and everything. But now that I think about it, no, he comes from the west of the Empire.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. No, that, uh. yeah.
1: It, but it's, it's kind of important in his backstory. So that might come up at one point.
0: Cool. And then I guess we could talk about our last hero now. Uh, and our last hero is Ungrim. Ungrim is a Slayer and Dwarf. Slayers being something typical in, in the Warhammer universe is kind of similar to, like, a berserker, someone who would charge into the thick of battle, go into a rage of fury, and, and attack everyone. Yeah, like a dwarven barbarian in terms of D&D from London. Yeah, yeah, and he's... I honestly think he's one of my favorites uh, as, yeah. as, as, as a person. Uh, Ungrim is a really interesting interesting hero because of his personality which is really get in there get into the thick of things fight for honor fight for those who, who need it and die for glory kind of yeah. person
1: doesn't care about his safety he's almost the opposite of otis <laughs> yeah. where otis would hide from danger danger Umbrim would die for family or friends really close friends Uh, And that's kind of the Slayer Oath. Uh, The Slayers are part of, basically it's when you lose your honor, uh, you take an oath to die in a glorious manner to redeem yourself.
0: We keep talking about Ungrim's bravery and courage and fighting for honor, but Ungrim is a character who also has his faults. Ungrim, despite all of the advantages, and fun aspects of his personality, he's also a very hasty player character. He charges in recklessly, doesn't think things through, and can put the party in a dangerous situation. Uh, he's also kind of rude. Yeah. Uh, in social interactions, I think one of his aspects was, what? You think I'm rude? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, what do you mean I'm rude? Yeah. <laughs> so it it comes with its disadvantages and challenges as a player to role play absolutely
1: yes and as a game master for me uh, having a character being so like you would rush into situation it would it would create sometimes a problem to deal with well as as a game master it was fun but it could potentially create consequences but mm-hmm. as a player's uh, speci- speci- uh, sorry, speci- especially sorry especially at the beginning,
0: it was um, frustrating, I think. Yeah, it was a little bit. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that after we, we yeah. flesh out his character completely. Um, so let's, let us let me talk about his physical appearance. Obviously, we said he was a dwarf, Yeah. Um, but there was a few other things that were quite special about him.
1: Yeah, Slayers, usually to mark themselves as having taken the Slayer Oath, um, basically shave their head on the side and do a big mohawk, uh, and they um, taint it, orange uh, so they have a so umgrim not different would have a big mohawk an orange mohawk big muscle tattoos that would mark his victories mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. creatures so um umgrim was kind of experienced um definitely more than anybody in fighting but even in life he was by far the oldest uh he saw many fights and it, w- it would show
0: in the way he talked to people especially Absolutely. humans yeah, I mean, honestly didn't uh, notice too much racism, uh, but but a dwarven slayer was obviously the best fighter around. Kind of uh, kind of attitude towards. Yes,
1: him. and 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 the player was, I think he was using this more in terms of crafts because Umgrim used to be a, a blacksmith, mm. uh, so whenever he would see beer, well to say about blacksmithing, when he saw, like, swords and stuff like that, he would be like, this is purely human craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. And for beer, the same, he would be like, this beer tastes nothing. Uh, You need a good dwarf and beer. So that was pretty much the extent of his racism. It's not like Mm -hmm. his judgment of the human race, basically. Um, So, yeah, he wasn't too, like, oh, you're human, you're weak. But there would still be... uh, important differences in his mind between the two races.
0: Absolutely. And I think that kind of moves us a little bit towards what he was doing in Untergard. Yes. You know, he... I'm not sure he would have chosen to protect this place, but I'm pretty sure he had to. Right? He yeah. was he was sent to Untergard kind of on a mission, basically.
1: Yeah, with a regiment of uh, slayers to defend the bridge. That was kind of critical to the rest of the war, or at least uh, a portion of Middle uh, So he was sent there, basically with a promise of a good fight, and that's that's enough for slayers. Promise a good fight and probable death, glorious death. So that's an honorable that, death. Honorable death. So that's that's
0: all he wants. Um, in terms of his relationship with other heroes, um, we spoke a little bit about how he met Randald. You know, he was in the infirmary being healed by him. He obviously would have also had some kind of interactions with the captain of, of Winterguard, Captain Schreiler. Yeah. Um, being a clear veteran, a clear combat expert, they, w- they would have had some kind of relationship as well. I'm not sure if I'm missing anything. Um, uh, he had he was
1: treated by Granny Mosher, I like oh, thought yes. you mentioned that. yeah. Uh, so we mentioned it in the previous episode, but... Uh, Actually, we mentioned it in Randall the section that Ungrim was wounded during the battle, and he was one of the only left, only slayer left behind. Um, most of them died or left to continue uh, to wage war in an other city or other region mm-hmm. of the Middleland. So he was left behind, and he had a lot of resentment about this and about surviving this attack and not being able to fight anymore. So he was kind of that in that space where a slayer doesn't want to be.
0: And for the most part, I think that covers uh, our four heroes quite well. Obviously there's still more to learn about them and, and watch them grow. So we hope to be able to convey that through our future episodes. Um, before we film our next episode, we still wanted to give you some context, some additional context about the city of Untergard. We'll keep talking about it, saying there's a bridge, etc., etc. But I think it might, might be nice for everyone to have a nice overview of what the city was, get get the ambiance and the atmosphere. Uh, So Chris, do you want to kind of give us that rundown of of what Untergaard was? Give us the mood, the feeling. That way we can start our next episode on the right foot, right into into the action.
1: Yes. So Untergaard is actually um, a city that was founded uh, from another nearby, close by city. Um, there was a lot of resentment between two clans and basically they, they for they, they create their their own city and they created that bridge that turned out to be very crucial and that helped this basically merchant city become really important in uh, the, uh, the middleland region so that bridge is really crucial because it links the basically the middleland to the province to the east and and um, there's a big river that would cut this region into so the reason why the region the reason why it was really important is because the army needed a way to pass through uh, the bridge so that's why the empire sent a lot of regiment the slayer regiment a lot of uh, even elves mm-hmm. to protect that bridge a battle that took uh, multiple days uh, to fight and basically untergard we able to win that battle, holding the forces of chaos from reinforcing uh, the attack on Mindenheim that would later come. So that's why it was—it was not a fortress city; it was a merchant city mm-hmm. who got beaten up. And basically, the city is split in two—two two sides of the bridge—and one half is just destroyed, completely wrecked.
0: I didn't even know there was no. another half. Yeah, the, because well, there wasn't one when we played. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, well,
1: there was at one point. You'll—you'll you'll see that. No spoilers, but there's going to be a, a battle and um, half of it, the, the the enemies come from just a ruined mm-hmm, part. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, it was like fire, like ruined Oh, part. yeah. It's they're... a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. But yes, yeah, so it was it, half of it. It's completely ruined. And the other part was pretty safe because the bridge took uh, the, the, the battle was on the bridge. And even the bridge had some holes in it. Um, that would create like narrow paths um uh, because it would not be full width at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, Untergaard is pretty typical um there were, right now after the attack there's maybe a hundred survivors that left that are not battle tested. there's just like citizen
0: yeah it, it's really the, the state of this town is the mili- there's no military presence. As we said before, there are many, many of the high level commanding officers of Middleland that are no longer in Middleland. So the Untergard included, there's very few people left here to fight. The mm-hmm. ones that were here fought in other battles, were wounded, such as Ungrim, or have left, such as the other slayers that Ungrim um, was, was a part of. Mm-hmm. So the, the town itself is kind of desperate for leadership. Kind of desperate for people who are combat ready and able to defend them mostly civilians mostly children women orphans sick elderly these kinds of things
1: yeah and the person in charge is captain schreiler who's yes a captain he's a veteran but he's old um he's battle battle tested but he stayed back because he knew the city um and he was not he, he was too old to go to war to fight in the whole thing. So he would use his leadership mm-hmm. to help the, the sea, who's actually at this point under martial law. So uh, with him and Granny Mosher, who's kind of the wise woman, they would form kind of a
0: council to help everybody uh, survive. And we say everybody, there's only about a hundred people left yeah. in this mm-hmm. city now, which is a fraction of, of the of the actual population of, mm-hmm. of Untergard. So just to give you guys that context, Um, I don't think we need to dig too much deeper into it, but hopefully that gives you the the details that you need. Just to get a good idea of our heroes, we talked about Randall, we talked about Ungrim, we talked about Undergard. In our previous episode, we talked about Diedrich, and we talked about Otis. So we'll be exploring their adventures in the episodes to come. I look forward to it. Uh, Before closing out the show, as always, we're going to have our small segment where we ask each other questions from DM to player, or GM to player. So, Chris, um, I don't know if you wanted to start, but I, I have a question for sure. you mm-hmm. uh, that I forget. So you're gonna go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Um, I was wondering at this point. Uh, I created the characters. I gave you a rundown of the, the the place of the scenario. I was wondering what did you expect because you. I, I don't think I was. I have, I had ever GM the game for you. So did you have any? expectations
0: or even, uh, were you scared of anything? Yeah. So it, it was my first time with you as a game master. Uh, honestly, my expectations were more fixated on the Warhammer universe. I, I knew it was something that you, you cared deeply about. Oh. I knew it was something that had a very deep, rich history as, as a, as a teenager, I played a little bit of Warhammer, but the, the tabletop... Um, the The, the Army little figurines, fantasy combat, battle. fantasy battle. Yeah, yeah so I, I knew some of the lore, and I knew that it was very rich. Um, so I was kind of excited, actually. I was excited mm-hmm. to explore this universe that, that you were going to be presenting to us. Uh, in terms of concerns, I... Kind of nothing that isn't normal for me. I I usually worry about team synergy. It's one of the things that that bugs me as a Game Master the most, and and also as a player. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, I was was looking forward to seeing what kind of story you would craft for us. We had just finished playing a campaign with another Game Master who was a little bit less uh, detail-oriented and more improvisational, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun in its own right. But I was looking forward to a different different perspective mm-hmm. on on game mastering. Um, and it turns out that I, I really enjoy the the playstyle that you that you put forward, so uh, we can maybe talk about the reasons I liked it as we as we dig deeper into our campaign and, mm-hmm. and explore some of those details. but I, I do like the meticulousness of of the world that you presented to us and the attention to detail. it was, it was nice. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, something that I was actually wondering, um, that I've been wondering on and off, and I never get to ask you, so now that we have a camera in front of us, might as well ask you about Another it. time. <laughs> uh, so these characters that you created for us, other than the uh, Dungeons & Dragons archetypes, what did you use as inspiration? Because the, the, it is a pretty diverse cast, and I'm wondering, where did you pull these these ideas from? Were they things that you had been thinking about for a long time, etc.? Okay, um,
1: that's a very good question. So I had actually run a couple of games with other people previously, and I took inspiration from characters I created in the past, but that's kind of a recursive argument. Um, I think for most of them, it was in order to show the world Um, Again, my goal was to make you like Warhammer, so I wanted Mm -hmm. to give a little bit of everything that makes Warhammer what it is. Uh, So I wanted to have uh, a dwarf, for sure, in my head, even in the beginning, I wanted to have a dwarf. And you look on pretty much any cover of the Warhammer edition, there's always a Slayer. Mm. Slayer is typical. Normally there's a fire wizard, I didn't want to go there. but. That's why I took uh, the, the the dwarf. Then I'm like, okay, I need. I, I was wondering about synergy. I need uh, something that's range. Okay, I'll have a uh, a ranger type against that to be D and D ish. And I knew I wanted to have Hans Bomer in in my history, in my story, my adventure. I had Granny Mosher and Hans Bomer, and I had um, Captain Schreiler, and also uh, Father Pieta. Mm-hmm. And basically, I was. I wanted to make characters that would be linked to these uh, main NPCs. Okay. So basically, I created Randall to be Hans Bomer's son. Interesting. Uh, and he was a ranger, so like it makes sense that his son would be a ranger too. But I wanted to be make it different. And then uh, to make good story, I think you need drama and intention. Absolutely. So yes. I created this emotional abusive relationship, and that's kind of Randall where it started. Then Umgrim, I wanted to link. The this way story. I did it, I think it was it was that was pretty much the source. Um, for you, um, we'll talk about more uh, about Dietrich in the future and what makes him special. But at this point, I wanted to have a kind of a low, low class character. Like I didn't want mm-hmm. to make a rat catcher, but I think a, mesen- a messenger to start was kind of typical in Warhammer to have someone that's not a priest of Sigmar or something really high up.
0: Yeah, and I think he fills kind of that intellectual gap. You, you always need yeah. a, a member of a party to be the, the smart, book smarts, you know, being a messenger, you're writing a lot, you're reading a lot. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, Otis, I think Otis came up more out of the player that I wanted him to be, like, uh, so the, the name of the player is Joe. And he has this very specific way of playing, I, I find. And I only played in the previous campaigns with him. And he tends to be a loner, I want to say. I, I, maybe it's a perspective of me, but he feels like he doesn't want to commit too much uh, at the beginning. And he likes to observe a lot and just see what's going on and then jump in. Okay. And to me, that screamed like rogue and stealthy. Um, so that's kind of the reason I created Otis and it filled that gap and I wanted to create a relationship with Randall. So it was a lot of things. As you see, I'm just processing yeah, what my thought yeah. was, but it was a lot of different angles that I wanted to, to a, a list of things I wanted to check. And basically that's what came out of it. And it was important, like you said in the beginning, that every character was different and every character I would like to play. Okay. right. That was, cool. that was kind of my criteria because I, I made other characters that didn't make the cut. And it was like, you know what? That's not that interesting, at mm-hmm. least to me. So it's probably not going to be interesting because I have the responsibility of giving you a character that is going to be fun for you to play, right? It's... Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my, my, my main concern. Awesome. Does that answer your question?
0: It does. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. That, I think, sums up our, our second episode or, or part two of our campaign diaries. We're hoping you're enjoying them. Please don't forget to, to like our channel, subscribe, comment, all of that typical stuff. Um, and we're happy to share these stories with you. So if you have any questions or comments, please don't, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Um, that's the cute, that's the daughter. That's Yeah, <laughs> I guess that means we have to wrap it up. So I think that's all, Chris. I think that's all, Matt. Let's call it a chat.